You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Columbus Business First, newest episode of the Women of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Emily Bench, and this podcast features a sit-down chat between me and some of the sharpest and most successful women executives in Columbus. In it, we talk about the professional risks they've taken and the ups and downs of getting to where they are today. With us today on the Women of Influence podcast is Becca Apfelstadt, co-founder and CEO of TreeTree. Becca, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Becca co-founded TreeTree because she's really passionate about agency life. It was the middle of the recession and she wanted to see where she'd end up if she started with a different model. Fast forward 10 years and as the agency of special projects, TreeTree is proving that a smart approach to positioning and culture makes a big impact. TreeTree helps large marketing departments primarily headquartered in Columbus, brands like Nationwide, Cardinal Health, Ohio Health, and DHL. Since 2009, TreeTree has been fueled by growth, being recognized multiple times on the Inc. 5000 list nationally and Columbus Business first fast 50. Tree Tree has also been honored for its culture as a business first best places to work. Tree Tree is woman owned, woman led, and is an active certified women's business enterprise. Well, thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to talk to you about Tree Tree. It seems like especially what I just stopped on woman owned, woman led, and certified woman business enterprise. That's like all this podcast is about. So yeah. I'm really excited to talk. Absolutely. So let's just start with your resume. Just give me a quick rundown of where you started and how that led you to co-founding and yeah. leading Tree Tree. It's a pretty interesting story because I have a, a unique way of entering the industry. I was 17 and got an internship in high school that was through a program that my high school offered. I thought I wanted to be a magazine writer. <laughs> and so this program was great because it sent students out into the world to see firsthand if they thought they would like the profession before they ended up going into college and majoring in that. Yeah, the goal that's was smart. yeah, the goal was to stop the, you know, changing majors every year. And so I got placed at a PR and advertising agency in Dublin, and it was a small organization with two co-founders that were phenomenal at mentoring and really took me under their wing. And I thought it was a little crazy in there at first because it was a creative environment. I didn't know at 17 what to expect in a business environment. I was pretty excited to go on to Ohio Magazine with my other internship and see if that would be a good fit and went there for my next internship and realized that 
magazine does not have a lot of in-house writers. They're mm-hmm. a lot of freelancers. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I don't really want to be self-employed, which I think is really ironic now, <laughs> 10 years into the business. Um, and so I really took a liking to the strategy and the branding side of things and all things marketing. Mm-hmm. So I stayed on at that agency all the way through another 10 years and went from intern to vice president, watched the agency grow, got amazing experience, mm-hmm. had incredible mentors and really felt a part of it. Yeah. I met my co-founder there. She was in charge of creative and I was leading a lot with brand strategy and business development and more of the operations side. So between the two of us, we could complete a project. Yeah. And unfortunately, that agency, like many businesses in 2008, 2009, just didn't survive yeah. the economic downturn. It was very sad and devastating because it was an amazing place with a culture that was really incredible. And we looked at each other and said, let's give it a whirl. Mm. Because going out to a place with a culture that was a question mark of whether or not we would be a good fit after we had seen so many amazing ways of treating people and so many differences in building the relationship just felt like too big of a risk. It felt almost less risky to go out on our own. Mm. And so this like six month experiment of sorts has turned into 10 years of growing a company and and it's been thriving. So I feel really fortunate that I had the guts and bravery Mm -hmm. along with my co-founder to step out and make that leap. And somehow we landed, even though it was really hard in the beginning and starting a business in the recession is no joke. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What was that like? Well, I mean, professionally it was hard because we're in marketing and communications, which is often one of the first things to get cut. So we started at a time when no one's hiring companies like ours. So we had kind of an uphill battle getting sales going. We had the uphill battle of being really young. I was 27 and I looked younger than 27. (laughs) You know, I still have a baby face. You know, personally, there was a lot of financial sacrifices that had to be made. I actually went through bankruptcy to get Tree Tree Mm -hmm. off the ground. It was just a really, it was a scary time. Like, what's going to happen and how is this all going to work out? My co-founder had two young children and a family and her husband had just started a business. So we were really like Thelma and Louise moment, just (laughs) flying off the cliff. And we started to plant seeds and we started to make introductions that led to opportunities, that led to a small project, that led to a bigger project. And before you knew it, nine months in, we had decided to get an office and really tell the world, like, we are really doing this instead of just being looked at as two people who were maybe kind of trying to be consultants for a while, but might take a full-time job. We wanted to show how serious we were. So getting an office was a real like commitment point mm-hmm. for us. Um, but it was it was really hard. I mean, we lived on like $17,000 the first year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What was going through your head during that time? Were you like, this is absolutely worth it? Or were you doubting things? Like what, it was, what was... It was exciting. It yeah. felt like I knew I was taking a big risk. But it, again, it felt riskier almost to just go work somewhere else where I, I wouldn't be able to influence the culture in the way I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I believed in the two of us, and she did too. And there were days where I wanted to quit or mm-hmm. I felt like we weren't growing fast enough or mm-hmm. it wasn't chaotic enough yet. You know, I can <laughs> kind of tend to thrive on a lot of um, things going on. And then the moment where it really turned around and we realized we were onto something was when we figured out the positioning and became known as the Agency of Special Projects. 
having something different to say to the market and doing for ourselves what we do for clients or what we tell brands they should do, having that point of differentiation, carving it out, trademarking it, going to market with it consistently year after year mm -hmm. after year has been an incredible turning point for the company. I mean, you can see in our growth, like kind of that moment where we started to launch that and yeah. we really launched the business from there. Yeah. And just so our listeners know, could you kind of explain what the Agency of Special Projects means? Absolutely. We are in an industry where historically agencies will try to go after an agency of record relationship or a contract with a client. And we work on a project basis instead of a contract. So there's no upfront commitment. There's no getting married before we've even you know, gone on a date, so to speak. <laughs> we work and we earn every single project with an organization because the last was so great. Now, our core purpose is to inspire a higher standard for human relationships. So developing that relationship with the client is extremely important to us. I think we're very good at it. Mm -hmm. um, that's the reason for being in business from my perspective, human relationships between trees, that's what we call ourselves, mm -hmm. and our team, and then the relationships that we have with our community and of course our clients. Yeah. So the, the relationship is at the core and it never felt like it was appropriate if relationships is what you're going to be about to then stick a contract in front of somebody's face and expect that they're going to sign off on it for a three-year term mm -hmm. and, you know, all these endless hours and scopes without the chance to try it on and right. to see how it goes. So um, it also seemed to be what the market wanted and how clients preferred to work. You know, when we started projects was really all that was out there and other agencies were trying to kind of adjust yeah. and change and we got to start from scratch and build a completely different model so that's one of the reasons I think that the recession was an advantage mm. we got to assess what was going on and look at the behavior of um, the clients yeah. and what the marketing professionals out there seem to want and build a completely different model mm. so we're there for urgent important work in a variety of functions. You know, we do experience design, we do creative, we do discovery and research, and then we have a special uh, project management service, which is almost like uh, staff augmentation, boots okay. on the ground support when somebody has a maternity leave or a leave of absence. Great. That's a lot. I feel like you're kind of got a lot of different tools in your toolbox there. We are. That sounds very fun. They're <laughs> all areas where we've found our clients need that kind of partnership. Yeah. And they need to know who they can call mm -hmm. in a moment's notice. And in some ways, we're kind of like the marketing SWAT team. Yeah, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. So did you ever see yourself, whether that was once you started up at that PR firm or were making your way up the ladder there, as a co-founder of a company? Was that ever something that you saw in yourself? This is an interesting question because I've traced it back to a single moment in college. I had made a list on a ruled notebook paper. Mm -hmm. I remember the room I was in. I remember when I did it. And it was like a bucket list, essentially. A hundred things I wanted to do before I died. And I remember writing on there, own my own agency. <laughs> and and kind of being surprised when it came out of my fingers <laughs> from the pen. Yeah. And looking at it and going, huh, am I going to do that? I guess. <laughs> okay. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that that would be at the age of 27. Yeah. Um, so it was a real surprise to mm -hmm. me and to my family and to, you know, many people, but it just felt right and yeah. kept going with it. And we were so convicted and believed so much in the culture and the way of doing things differently yeah. that it felt like 
you know, we can always go get another job, hmm. but we can't always try this. Yeah. And I think it was an advantage to do it so young. How did you deal with pushback from whether that was your family or your friends because you started in such a like fraught time period in, in America? I don't think I had any. Hmm. I mean, it was interesting. I look back as a parent now and think about my parents' reaction and how supportive they were. I mean, they had to be scared for me. Their their 27-year-old daughter has just <laughs> quit her job and is going through a terrible financial situation to clear the path to be able to start this business that how the heck does she even know how to do that or what's, what's she doing? Why doesn't she just go get a job? And they never indicated, at least if they felt it, they never indicated that they thought I was crazy. It was more supportive than anything. And I think my my business partner had the same experience with her family. Yeah. The most kind of pushback we probably got was in certain new business meetings and times where we were trying to introduce ourselves to other people where we felt like it might have been the combination of being young or being female or being a young female. Yep. But we got, you know, we had some, we had to prove some stuff. Yeah. And that, that was a real thing. Yeah. I feel that less today, 10 years in. I mean, I'm older, I'm more confident in myself. I'm, I'm less likely to try to prove it, you know, but we had, we had nothing to back up what we were saying, but we knew we could do it. Yeah. And certain people saw that in us and gave us opportunities and we did get great work, but we had plenty of meetings where we were meeting with men who were older than our fathers who were looking at us like, Hmm. what are, what are you two going to be able to do for me? Yeah. How did you guys deal with that? I mean, I'm thinking of like just a duo team of two females being like, take me seriously. Listen to what I'm trying to say. How did that go for you guys? I mean, it was it was hard. There was a lot of, I would say, anxiety for me back then. Um, how is this going to go? Are, are they all going to like me? Are they all going to laugh yeah. at me? You know, that kind of thing. And I think some of the things that I laughed along with or brushed off back then, I would not tolerate today. Mm. Some of the ways that we got treated or cast aside or eyes rolled at yeah. or, you know, the head pat, like the, the equivalent of the head right. pat in the meeting. And Not you a just tell pat, but you know with their saying. tone, like, oh, you're so cute, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's not okay. Yeah. And I think usually if people were willing to give us a shot, we would open our mouths and they would see past the age mm-hmm. and the gender. Mm-hmm. But I don't know which was a bigger problem, being a female or being so young. Mm. But I felt pushback on both of them in certain situations. And in others, a lot of like, go girl and more power to you. Mm -hmm. And this is awesome. What an inspiration and how motivating. And I, you know, I just, I'm inspired. I'm motivated by what you're doing. So there was both. Yeah. Do you have any times that kind of stick out to you in particular where you really were like, like you had said, I would not have tolerated that today. Oh, I do. I don't know if they're appropriate for on air. But, yeah, I mean, I do. I have uh, comments that were sexual or kind of harassing. I had, Did you not experience that in the agency life, like, before you became a co-founder? I can't say that I didn't. Yeah. In certain situations, you know, I had clients that nicknamed me things that were just like, it's just weird. Why are you, yeah. Why is my nickname going to be Bright Eyes? Why yeah. can't you just call me Becca? Right. You don't call Matt, the other person on our team, some weird name. Right. You know, just things like that. Or invitations for champagne and strawberries when we're traveling in the client's hotel room and this 
person is older than my father, you know, like just things that were not like, and, and being young and trying to win the work, there was always that dynamic of like, how, what do I push back on and how do I, um, and I think my, my meter today is stronger at knowing like when that's, and I don't, I don't get nearly that kind of vibe anymore. I think I've earned a spot at the table with uh, the business community and get taken a lot more seriously. And part of that is my own thoughts about myself. Mm. You know, it's just getting, getting to the point where I don't feel I have to prove as much. Yes. I love that. What do you, what kind of advice would you have for a young woman who's experiencing that same uncomfortable remarks or feeling like they're put in a corner and don't really feel like they can say what they're thinking? What kind of advice would you have for them? I think the the way that people treat you is a real indicator of their character and who they are. And there's no amount of money that's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say no and walk away um, from a business contract, from a job. It's, you know, it's absolutely not okay for you to feel uncomfortable. And I think what I've learned to really get a read on is my own intuition. And I think I have a very strong intuition. I went to a psychic once and she told me, confirmed that I do. Um, so, so I've listened to my intuition more and, and it's like your gut will tell you and that will be a guide. And so I think it's just knowing yourself and knowing like if it feels funny, it, it probably isn't okay. Right. There's, it's okay if you walk away from the business or the account or the proposal or you say, you know what, I think it's time to refer you on. Mm. If chemistry isn't right in the room or there's indications that a client isn't going to treat us well, and I'm not talking just about male to female kinds sure. of treatment, just in general. If they're not going to be good people to do business with, we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And there was a time where we had to learn that lesson. Yeah. you got to make ends meet and you got to run payroll and everything. Yeah. But getting the business to a place that we have the cushion that allows us to walk away from things sure. that don't feel good for whatever reason is very freeing. Mm-hmm. So what was um, realistically the kind of commitment that was on your part of starting your own business? Like if someone's thinking about starting their own business but don't really know what that fully entails, like could you give them a rundown of this is what it's really going to be like? Well, I suppose it depends on the industry in some ways and what the structure of the business is, but it's a whole heck of a lot of work and mm-hmm. you have to love it. You can't do it for money. You can't do it for ego. You have to do it because you love it, and you have to be willing to make decisions based on a set of values and stick to it. I think when you start adding team members, it gets really important to get clear on what you value and what's important to you as a person and then be willing as a leader to make decisions based on that, Yeah. which sometimes means making a really tough call. Yeah. I mean, we hustled a lot. We worked a lot of hours. I think in the early years, in some ways, I look back and feel I sacrificed my health in some ways. Yeah. That's changed, and I've gotten more of a balance, in part because of becoming a, a mom and kind of having to. But my body was telling me, like, you're, you're going too fast. Like, yeah. The jet fuel is running out. Yeah. And so I don't regret how it happened, because in some cases it just had to happen, but we just kept growing at such a rate. It felt like it was happening to us instead of us, you know, really trying to do that. We had years where we grew over 200% in a single year and it was, it was a lot, but 
feast or famine sometimes, like go with it. Right. So we went with it. And, you know, the result can be having to figure out how you don't lose yourself in that or you don't sacrifice things that are important. You still have to be a person. Right. You're no good to anybody if your cup is so empty. Yeah. You're not a good leader. You're not a good friend, partner, spouse. You're not a good, like, client service person or representative of your brand if yeah. you're if you're just exhausted. It doesn't set a good example for your team. And so I've worked really hard to set the opposite example of the, the most recent past few years that you can have a successful business and you can have a life too. Yeah. I, I hear so often from women co-founders who have been on this podcast or just, you know, in general, who I talk with for my job, they always say that when things were starting out, it was just so crazy and they didn't take care of themselves. Do you feel like there is a realistic way for someone to start a company while also having enough balance in their life that they can take care of themselves? Or is it like you have to sacrifice for a little bit to get to that point? I mean, I, I think there's going to be some sacrifice no matter what, especially in the very beginning. There's no one else to do the work. Mm-hmm. So the client calls, the deadline changes, it's on you. Yeah. You know, we had times where we had to make a hard decision and let someone go for an ethical reason in the middle of a deadline and there was no one else to do the work. Yeah. And it meant the two of us sitting there for 16 hours straight and finishing the deadline because mm-hmm. it's our name, it's mm-hmm. our reputation, it's our client. And that is going to get done and it's going to get done well. Yeah. As And it would have been the easier choice to decide to just like overlook it. But that's not okay. You yeah. know, we had to have principles and stand on them. So... And I think it depends on how fast you want to grow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, from Tree Tree's bio, you can see that women-centric leadership is an important aspect of Tree Tree. How does that work? How do you make it work? When you say, you know, we're, we are women-led, what does that mean? Obviously, you're a woman and you've co-founded the company, but sure. what does that mean? We have an all-female leadership team, and it's not that we've decided up front that that's how it should be. It's mm-hmm. just how it happens to be. <laughs> And we work really well together. So it's myself and Rachel Hillman, our group account director, and Megan Myers, our group creative director. Mm-hmm. So we each run kind of areas of the business and work on guiding the culture and the company um, forward. So that's what we mean by women-led. Mm-hmm. I think that there is an, an area that can be brought on from having all-female leadership team that creates a little more empathy and and help and guidance through the idea of young working parents being a part of our team. We tend to attract a lot of people who are in that stage of life, and I think it's great. I became a mom while I was growing the business. I have two beautiful children who are about to turn four and six. My son came six weeks early. It was the day I was supposed to roll out my maternity leave plan. And so postpartum, a couple hours after emergency C-section, my team was by my bedside and we were translating work. Like, what else would have happened? The work has to go on. I was, you know, out of it and just had a baby and, like, the show doesn't stop. That's crazy. So, but that experience of having the maternity leave and then having a second maternity leave. And by the second, I was really curious how our policy would feel as an employee. Mm -hmm. So I did a little experiment where I put myself on the exact same plan as a tree tree team member. Mm -hmm. And I paid myself the 60% of my salary and I got the check that was reduced and I only took six or eight weeks Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. 
And I tried to go back in and pump at work and do all the things. Right. And I realized this is really hard and yeah. this policy sucks. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about being a business owner is when you decide a policy sucks, you can just change right. it. Right. That's awesome. So I announced a 12-week, 100% paid wow. parental leave policy for moms, dads, birth, and adoption. That's amazing. And the reason that it includes all of that is because I have witnessed and heard from people in my life who have had the experience of adopting a baby that they legally can't put in daycare yet, that they're legally responsible for, and they get no paid time off. Yeah. And if it's a baby, it's like that baby still needs to eat, that baby still needs to be taken yeah, care of. Yeah, it's like, just like you had that, it. I mean, you're not recovering from your crazy. body, but you still have Right, baby. and yeah. you're, you have a whole other set of things. My husband's adopted. We had a couple people at Tree Tree who had adopted mm -hmm. children, and their stories about trying to navigate that and ending up feeling like they had to kind of, you know, be put in a situation where they didn't, they weren't fully honest just to yeah. be able to like deal with their child and do what they had to do. And then I think it's important to include dads too, because if I don't, I'm sending the message that I think it's okay that men don't share in the parental workload Absolutely. and, and the, the process of parenting. Mm -hmm. So I made sure to include fathers as well. I'm lucky to have a really supportive husband, but so being woman-led has led to some other things we've been able to do that I think make it more family-friendly yeah. or as family-friendly as, you know, as, as we can. That's great. Um, and it's not to say other male-led companies aren't working in that direction. I think sure. it's great. Mm -hmm. But having personally gone through the yeah. recovery and the process and then putting myself on that parental leave policy, which before I would have called generous, hmm. you know, yeah. before I really sat and thought about it. And what would I want for my family? Yeah, I would want to be able to take the full 12 weeks. It's the time goes so fast. Yeah. So are there any other policies that you yourself were like, I want to try out before I want to institute that on my company? Because I think that that's very unique and humble to do that because it's easy to just snap your fingers when you're the boss and be like, okay, we're going to do this without actually living through that. Right. I can't think of any others that were to that degree mm -hmm. except maybe our seventh year sabbatical. Um, I had the experience of taking two weeks straight in a vacation mm -hmm. and realized the enormous brain break that happens and how refreshed. Because you're like, all right, I already have to go back. Right. <laughs> like you're it's not enough. Barely yeah. settled in. Right. You're kind of turning off mm -hmm. and then you got to come back and wake it all up again. I had done that and I realized, man, how are other people going to take two consecutive weeks off? Like I'm, I have the luxury of doing it, but how would other people on my team, I want them to have that experience. Mm -hmm. And so I developed a policy called our seventh year sabbatical and people on their seventh year get two weeks that they have to take consecutively and $2,000 to travel, to do something that they learn. It's not meant to be like stay at home and bank the $2,000. Like you're supposed to spend it and go somewhere or do something, That's take a so class, cool. paint pottery for two weeks, like go to Europe or yeah. backpack in Thailand, whatever floats your boat or interests you. And That's awesome. We have our first person hitting that mark oh, this yeah, year. Oh, yeah, 10 years, yeah. Nikki Calvaruso is going to be our first person to, to have this. I don't think she's fully decided yet, okay. but, we, but everybody talks about it a lot. Oh, like, yeah, like when know, it gets to seven years, yeah. Yeah, people <laughs> want to know what she's going to do, oh, so and cool. she's been planning with her husband because, of course, you have to be able to get that person off of work sure. um, long enough to. So but, that's on top of, like, their PTO that yeah. they would have. That's incredible. Yeah. 
so cool. Yeah, so it's really fun. Super random question. What? How did you come up with the name Tree Tree? It's a fun story. I got a bonsai tree as a gift, and my parents are both horticulturists, and my grandfather was chief of forestry for the state of Ohio. Wow. So there's all kinds of green thumbs do in you, my family. Do you have a green thumb? I do now, yeah. but... In my 20s, when this happened, I was like desperate to just keep this little plant alive because bonsais are beautiful and they're also really expensive. Yeah. So I felt like, are oh they my tropical? gosh, okay. I don't think so. Okay. They're sensitive. Okay. Like you have to Mr. Miyagi them. Yep. You know, there's a lot of booming yeah. and the right amount <laughs> of water and yeah. draining. And yeah. So they're a little finicky. And I killed this thing. And the very day that we decided to start the agency, I came home and it was a really hard day and I walked past this dead little tree and I thought to myself, I need to throw that thing away. But I did a double take. I'm not even kidding. Like, And there were little blossoms on this dead tree coming out. And I just had this whole thing go through my body. Like, It was inspiring. If this little tree could make it, we were going to be just fine. Yeah. So we named ourselves after the little tree that could. I love that. That's so cool. Thanks. So as the boss of Tree Tree, what is your leadership style like and how does that work at your company? I wish you could ask my team that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I try really hard to be a good human. I try really hard to be fair, to be approachable. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time making sure that my team knows what I stand for, what the business stands for, and what I expect of each of them. And so I'd like to think people know where they stand with yeah. me. I think that's important. There's not confusion or a cloud of mystery around right. that. We all get work done faster and we feel better in work, you know, working yeah. together if we don't have to wonder what's going on. And I would say, you know, some people have described me as kind of goofy. <laughs> like I can be really serious, but I also have this goofy side and it's not unusual for me to do a happy dance where I literally <laughs> jump around and <laughs> jump up and down That's or awesome. run through the office screaming and high-fiving everybody. I mean, I can get very excited and animated. Yeah. So I think people enjoy seeing that side of me, like mm -hmm. that it's not all glasses on, spreadsheets out, right. discipline, focus. It's enjoying it too. Yeah. I mean, this is a joy. Mm -hmm. It's a gift to be able to work with all of these people in our beautiful office help our clients and have the freedom to help make a great place for them. Yeah. And that matters so much to me. Yeah. Do you feel like you have more freedom to be yourself as a co-founder starting your own company or do you feel like you would be have the same kind of personality in an office if you were still the vice president of the the former company you were at? I think Tree Tree is such a part of me. I think marrying my husband and starting Tree Tree is when I became myself. <laughs> you know? Our wedding song is, there's a line in there that says, I sat down beside you and I became myself. <laughs> and I think that both of those things were really important milestones for me to get comfortable with who I was and tap into that yeah. and to lean into leading with my heart and not paying so much attention to what other people thought I should do or what the textbooks say you should do in a business situation yeah. to do it my way mm -hmm. because no one knows my business like I know my business mm -hmm. and no one knows the vision for how I want people to feel by interacting better than me. So 
Becca's way is most likely, not that experts don't have a, a valuable opinion, and there's right. certain cases where you really need specific advisors, but I think I got wrapped up at certain times, and the more so in the beginning of like, I have to get advice from someone, they're going to have the answer, and it's like, I have the answer. Yeah, that's awesome. I was listening to a podcast, actually, and Melinda Gates was on it, and she was talking about when she started out at Microsoft and moved her way up to a pretty strong leadership position, she realized she could do the whole, like, hard ass, I'm going to tell you no, I'm going to say what I'm thinking, and she said a little bit into it, she realized, like, that's actually not my leadership style. That's mm-hmm. not how I operate. Yeah. And she said a lot of times women in the workplace just don't feel like they can be themselves. Right. And I think that's such a shame. Do right. you have any kind of advice for women who feel like they can't be themselves? And maybe they're not the boss where they feel like they can get a little more freedom to do that or they're not starting their own company. They're just one of however many employees. I think authenticity is something that everybody can read. Yeah. We all know when somebody is uh, not being genuine to who they are. Um, you can tell when yeah. people are comfortable in their own skin and they're honoring who they are and they're willing to speak their mind and have an opinion. So I think my advice would be to figure out who in the organization is a safe place to try that out mm-hmm. and watch how pleased you are with the, the reaction yeah. when you do. That it will feel freeing to you there will be a blossoming that happens and a more strong conviction to do it again and try with someone else and try with someone else and try with someone else and kind of come out of that feeling of, I'm supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. And you Which can't great, yeah. be somebody else. Mm-hmm. You are Emily. I am Becca. When I was trying to be a young CEO right. and you know, show a specific side, it's like, it just, it felt like I was wearing the wrong clothes. Right. Someone else's life. I love that. That's really cool. You work with a lot of really big named clients, especially in the local area. How do you take feedback from them? Is that hard for you or do you love getting feedback? Please. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) The best thing a client can do is tell us when there's a problem mm-hmm. or they they we didn't meet expectations in some way yeah. because we can overcome that together we can work through it yeah and if they're not willing to share that the partnership suffers the trust reservoir as we say gets lower and lower and before you know it we're like where'd you go what happened yeah. and that kind of uh, dynamic is really important. We are about relationships. So we've got to be able to sit across the table from each other, know who we're dealing with. They've got to know us. We've got to feel comfortable with each other. And I think it can be a good thing for a relationship when you have a couple of those minor things that you have to navigate or feedback and you get past it. It's yeah. really bonding and it shows character on both sides. And then the next time there's something that might be feel even more scary to come to them with. And this goes both ways. You know, there's times we have to give clients feedback right. about how something felt or what happened or maybe you should know. Yeah. And then it comes back the other way. And it's like, those are the great partnerships. Yeah. If yeah. we're all just acting like everything's fine and not willing to say the real things and speak the truth, mm-hmm. we're not going to do great work together. Yeah. And if we can't do our best work together, it's not going to be a good fit. Yeah. Are you the kind of personality that genuinely welcomes constructive criticism or is it has it ever been hard for you? All the hear? time I want it. I mean, yeah, of course there's it can be hard to hear depending on who it is or what it is and you know, there's times where your stomach sinks or you start to feel defensive or you want to 
prove them wrong, but I've learned to say thank you. Yeah. And I mean, gratitude is one of our core values. And I think that I feel very grateful for the opportunity to understand where I stand mm-hmm. in someone's eyes and to have the opportunity to make, make the next time better yeah. or different. Yeah. And I think that those are the types of situations where the relationship goes, grows more strongly. And I think it just took a few times of that realizing no one died. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard not to think that. Yeah, end the world. No one's gonna die. Yeah, we're gonna get through this. It's gonna be okay. Are you like a a crier when you get hard news, or you just like power through it? I'm not a crier when I get hard news. I'm Mm -hmm. a crier when I get really emotional Mm -hmm. about. Like I cry during toasts at the holiday party. I cry (laughs) when I'm, I'm overjoyed Uh with the team. I cry when I'm upset about something that happened and and just feel like defeated yeah or upset about it but for the most part bad news is like it is what it is yeah there's a chinese proverb that talks about this farmer and it's like the the phrase they keep repeating is maybe good maybe bad who knows Mm -hmm. and i've worked hard to adopt a more laid back approach because I could drive myself nuts worrying yeah. about what might happen. What does this mean? It's, it's not how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted this outcome. Well, the universe takes care of us in my opinion, and it just is what it is. So the sooner I accept what is happening, the less suffering I will have, the better leader I will be, the more calmly I can address whatever it is and come up with a new solution because the world is changing all the time. It's not going to go exactly as we plan. And when I have in my head this expectation of this is the plan and this is how it will happen and it doesn't go that way and I'm all up in arms about it, that's when I suffer. I think so often we as women think things control is something that I think not always, but a lot of times we just we want a lot and men too. But it's it's you can't have full control of everything. So. No, we don't have control of anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> we yeah. really don't. Yeah, it's oh. an illusion. That's our egos fooling us. Yeah, and that's great. We don't too. have control of anything. Yeah, it lets that like pressure. We have control of what we do in this moment. Yeah, we don't have control of anyone else's response reaction. We don't have control of what's going to happen with the weather. We don't have control of all the things that are possible obstacles. Yeah. And so we just have to have faith that we're making the right decision and we're good people and we're, we're doing what we can with right. the information we have and that the next right thing will present itself. Yeah. That's awesome. So our last segment is um, our quick hit section. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, and I just want you to tell me what you're thinking when I ask. So what's the biggest myth about being a female executive? That I must be sacrificing something in my family. Hmm. People feel badly. Oh, you're, you're, you have this big job, and you're, you've got two young kids. Poor thing. You must be exhausted. And it's like... How well, do you if that's do it what we tell ourselves, then we're no one's going to do it. Yeah. No, I have a team. I empower people. I have a great supportive partner. We live in a city with two sets of grandparents. We're blessed with a nanny who loves our children like her own. And they have school and teachers and a whole network that love them. Yeah. And we ask for help for what we can't do. 
You know, we've had to make decisions about what we won't do around the house that we might outsource so that we can have the time to balance everything. My husband also owns his own business. So two entrepreneurs with two different businesses and then the two kids. And it can be chaotic, but don't feel bad for me. I'm I'm living a good life. I've got I've got time with yeah. my children. They know where I stand with them. I make I make time. Yeah. I love that. Not that you get that, but that that's your like response to that. Mm-hmm. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? I wanted to be a magazine writer. Okay. So that was like the dream for a long time. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, I used to go to the library and get like stacks of books and lay in bed on a rainy day and say, I'm going to read all of these books. And I just was always attracted to writing and, and thought that that's what I wanted to do for my life. And I have a journalism degree and I think being a strong writer comes in a heck of a lot of handy in situations where I'm having to communicate uh, in writing or verbally with the team because... We're telling stories. Mm-hmm. That's such a good skill to have. How do you feel about being classified as a female founder and CEO rather than just founder and CEO? Or do you get it? I mean, I I get that it can be inspiring to people to know which women are succeeding, but it, it kind of, it, can I just be a good leader? Can I just be a good human? Why does it have to be female? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it myself. Like, I'm a female doing this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I must have this uphill battle. I'm just me doing these things. And I struggle with the same things that every leader does. Every CEO, every business owner, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. Now, I also know statistically it's very rare that I would choose to do this, that I would have success at it, that I would still be in business after 10 years. So I see why there's a tension drawn to Mm -hmm. it. But I prefer to just be me. What do you know now that you wish you knew at 17 when you were starting that first internship? Really, it comes down to trusting my gut and recognizing that I have good intuition. And any time I haven't followed that in 10 years have been the times where I regret that decision. Sure. And deciding to show all sides of me and not just the serious business leader, robot, you know, in the corner. I took it very seriously and I still do, but I've been able to do that with a little more personality and have a lot more fun doing it that way and feel a stronger connection with my team and my clients because I've been able to open up my heart a little more in my leadership and lead with that rather than thinking that leaders don't have that, you know, like the, the myth that you got to be cold yep. and mm-hmm. driven and, yeah. you know, at all costs. Yeah. There's a different way to do it. Yeah. My last question for you, who is your biggest role model or mentor? I have a couple. I mean, my old boss, who was the co-founder of that agency that I started at, is to this day one of my biggest champions, mm-hmm. cheerleaders, uh, fans, and somebody that I know will give me the God's honest truth, whether I want to hear it or not, mm-hmm. and a good kick in the pants if I need it. He's, to this day, one of my best friends, and we communicate regularly, and he's kind of become a part of my family. My kids know him, my husband, mm-hmm. we all get together and stuff, so that's been wonderful. And then I would say my husband in some ways. Uh, he is somebody who 
has been there in the darkest times, the hardest times. We started dating six months after Tree Tree was founded. Wow. So he's been there from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I remember times where I wanted to give up or I felt like, it's just so hard. What are, like, what am I doing? And he would have this very pragmatic look at it. He's very, he can be very practical and logical with that. Take all the emotion away and just say, well, it seems to me your problem is you just need to sell more. And it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I put all the energy of should I leave, should I quit, yeah. should I whatever into selling more. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it blows up. And it's like he just has, he's my mentor to never give up. Yeah. And just that rock and reminder that, like, you just got to keep going. Yeah. That's you awesome. keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Cool. Well... That's it. Thank okay. you so much for coming. I yeah, really appreciate getting to talk. It was really fun.